Boom. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Joe podcast with myself, Nolsey. Hope you're all keeping well and that you finally made it through that game week. Game week of hell. Felt like it went on forever. It was nice to have a break to assess the games, but when I was thinking back to the Brighton, or sorry, the Burnley Luton game, it felt like ages ago. It honestly felt like it was before Christmas, but we're here nonetheless. Thank you all very much for all your questions you've sent in on Twitter and on Instagram. It gives us a nice basis and format for the podcast. As always, we're going to look through and answer all of your questions that you've sent in in as much detail as possible and give our waiver suggestions. Thank you all very much for all the support on the YouTube so far. I have been working extremely hard over the Christmas as I've been off work trying to get it to a next level. If you're not subscribed already, please, please go and do that. Just gives me a small bit of reward for what seems like endless hours over the last couple of weeks. We look at a couple of different things on the YouTube as well as the waivers. We look at a bit more in-depth player analysis and a couple of trade dilemmas. Also a bit more visual stats as well. So please go over and hit that subscribe button on the YouTube it is going to be seven days from the day of recording. Uh, it is Tuesday, Tuesday the 23rd. Seven days from now until the waiver deadline. There is FA Cup games as well, so loads will change from now until then. So as always, if you're not following us on Instagram or Twitter, please do so. We upload and repost any up-to-date injuries or changes from all the information in the podcast and the YouTube. So let's get into it. We're going to go through an awful lot today and it's going to all integrate to each other. Trades, injuries, waivers, encompassed in the questions that you have asked. So throughout the podcast, although you might be looking at a particular question about a trade or waiting for waivers, we might give more information regarding trades or waivers or injuries in them answers. So make sure, although you might be looking for a particular defender, there might be information in a question about midfield that might help you also. We're going to start off quickly with goalkeepers. So a lot of goalkeepers have been injured in and out the last couple of weeks and there is a couple injured over the last couple of game weeks. Sanchez is back on track to make his return for Chelsea. Now I don't think it's going to be game week 23 based on the information regarding his injury. It was a knee injury and they said something like it's going well, he's back on grass and hopefully he can be running properly again soon. So if you're just back on grass and you're just running, it doesn't look like or doesn't sound like in the next seven days you're going to be playing Premier League football. So to me that sounds like a game week 23, possibly a game week 24 return. And at the same time, Petrovic has been very, very good for Chelsea over his five game stint. I think it was five games. So it's no guarantee that Sanchez will get straight back in there. But if you have him... It's not too long, probably a game week or two. Johnston was on the bench for Palace and he was probably looking on with a bit of glee because Henderson looked poor. I know a couple of them Arsenal goals are on the counter-attack and you know they were one-on-ones, he couldn't do much, but he was poor for one or two of the goals. So we will talk about them in the waiver section, but Johnson might be a good goalkeeper punt this week. Ederson also came off after seven minutes in Man City's game against Newcastle. And although it looked pretty bad, or was made out to be pretty bad, I think he'll be back. It was still technically only a knock. And 
Although he's not afraid to play Ortega, I still think Ederson will be fit enough. Again, we'll talk about maybe a possible waiver and strategy in the waiver section. But I do personally think that Ederson will be fine. Now, I'm sure we'll get updates closer to the time. But if you're thinking about trading and stuff like that early on, I think Ederson's going to be okay. Onana could be back sooner than we think. He, I think they are third in their group. They have to win to have a chance of getting through. So, although, you know, you might have been looking towards a substitute keeper for Onana, he might be back in a game week or two's time. Now, if you were going to take a risk on um, United's second keeper, I don't know if it's worth it, depending on how your keeper situation is set up. They have two. They had two subkeepers on the bench the last day. Heaton, as we know, and Alte. He is technically the number one jersey. So it's still unsure who would get in there. I don't know personally. I don't know. Has there been any information that Ten Hag has said? Like, you know, that he's looking towards Heaton. I haven't seen anything like that. So I don't know if it's worth taking the risk. We will talk about United's defence in the waiver section. But... I'd be looking towards other goalkeepers. And Ariola came off against West, uh, sorry, Sheffield United. And I think he'll be back as well. It was a busted lip. Bit more of a knock. They have another seven days. I think they have the seven or eight days to go until they play again in the Premier League. So I do think Ariola will be back next game week. Okay, into our listener questions. And we have some great questions that, as I said, touch on trading, touch on injuries, touch on waivers. So the first question is, I have three players gone to the AFCON. Son, Kudos and Jackson. What do I do? So first and foremost, I'm looking at Kudos there. They're third in their group and there's a chance that they don't make it through. So hopefully by the time you're listening to this or by the time the game week's over... Kudos, unfortunately, will be knocked out. Now, as I said, loads will change over the next couple of days. There's no panic with trading. There is big, big movements in the transfer market around Newcastle. There's going to be AFCON. There's going to be Asian Cup. So don't do any trades that involve any of these players. If you want to get rid of them, let's say the Newcastle assets, which we'll talk about in a minute, not too bad. But I wouldn't be getting rid of Kudos straight away just because he might be out for the next couple of game weeks because he could be back game week 22 probably game week 23 if i'm looking at son just obviously hold the big problem with son is that they're one of the favorites to go all the way as are japan so south korea japan they're number one and two they have some of the best premier league players gone with their teams so they're nine to two to win it south korea son if he wins it, probably won't be back till game week 26. So that's five game weeks. If they make it to the semi-finals, which again is fairly likely, he'll probably still be gone to 26. Because as far as I remember, the game, the semi-finals are on a couple of days before game week 25. So I think he'd have like three days to come back and play in game week 25. So there's a high possibility that San is gone to game week 26. That's five game weeks. That's that's five out of what's left. 18. 17 game week 22 to 38 17 game weeks including game week 22 so that's a big chunk you're nearly looking at a third there you really really have to have all the other players playing so 
the next person, Jackson, is probably the one on the on the, the chopping block. Because Kudus could be back very early, Son is too good to get rid of. And you're probably not going to get a lot over the line for a trade. Jackson's probably the one you're looking at. Um, he is also playing with a team that are very likely to go on. They're 7-2 to two to win it. And that would put him out to game week 26 as well. So what I'd be looking at is getting Jackson off the books. Because there is a possibility that he could be a rotation risk even when he comes back. Now, Nkunku could play deeper. Jackson could play up top. But there's so many other players in that Chelsea squad that can play in different positions. Strikers that I would be looking to get in for Jackson. Obviously, all the big ones, they're probably not options. But around maybe trade value, around maybe waiver you know, waiver possibilities. Obviously, Werner. Werner, we're going to talk about him in the waiver section, but I think he's still available in the in not the majority of leagues, but a good chunk of leagues. I would be getting him in, no questions asked. Amduni for Burnley has been very, very good recently and returned with, I think, all three bonus last week as well. I would be getting him in. They have some tough fixtures in the short term, but... Again, if you're getting them in, you're getting them in for probably a season-long hold. It's very hard to get strikers over the line, especially with only a couple of game weeks left. I know it sounds mad, but in terms of the draft, it's a very short space of time. Raul Jimenez, if he's on the waiver, someone would like to trade Raul for Jackson, I'd be definitely doing it. They have three good fixtures in a row, and a couple of them players are going to be good possibilities for waivers in the next couple of game weeks. And DCL, although he missed... Very, very good chance last week. Was it two weeks ago? It seems so long ago. I would still be getting him in. More than likely nailed on for Everton. Hopefully they will improve in terms of their attack and threat. And yeah, you just want you want someone that you're going to have to start. If we're looking at waivers or thinking about waivers in the draft, it comes down to who, you, who your main striker is and who you're starting. A lot of the suggestions that I'm going to give later, I'm going to mention that it's going to be hard to start them. But if you're looking at Jackson or DCL, even Amdouni sometimes has been, in one of my drafts, my lone striker. So you might be under pressure to even start your striker. The biggest piece of advice I can get is get a starting striker that's probably going to play 90 minutes. Because them two points, they could be crucial. Sticking with international competitions, a question has been asked, Mitoma or Hechan? And when I was looking at these two players... It's funny because both of them are slightly injured and both of them have essentially the same amount of possibility of returning in the group stages of their tournaments. So Mitoma with Japan and Hee-chan with South Korea, both of them, as I said, are currently injured but have a chance of playing in the international competition. As with um, San and as with Jackson, both of these players also have a very high possibility of getting far in the competition. So taking their odds into account, I think they're both around 9-2, to two, you know, 5 or 6-1 to one to win the competition, as favourites would be. Let's say that takes them up to game week 25 or game week 26. It's very hard to predict who's going to come maybe a game week early and how fit they're going to be at that time. So let's just take it as they both come back fit game week 25, game week 26. Who do you pick then? And looking at the fixtures, I never thought I'd say this, but I'd have to go with Hee-chan. And when I say that, I mean at the start of the season. 
Matoma seemed like a fantastic pick, but he chans and Wolves fixtures are way better from game week 26 onwards. I know Brighton have that unbelievable run, which we'll talk about from now until like game week 29, but from game week 26 on, I think I'd rather have he chan, especially the way Neto is playing. He was fantastic again the last day, and so was Cunha actually. And it, I think with them three playing from game week 26 on, I'd rather have he chan. And we'll talk about the other issues with Mitoma later on when I talk about another Brighton asset a bit more. But for that question, I'd go with he chan and just accept the fact that it's going to be game week 25 or game week 26. Next question remains on midfielders. And I suppose midfielders are a very common one because they're more often than not used in trades. They're kind of disposable and it seems like we have a lot more options around similar valuations rather than defenders. You know, you have a lot of high-end defenders and then a lot that, you know, people aren't too bothered trading and then strikers are very hard to get over the line. So more often than not, you see midfielder trades. The way I would like to get defenders and midfielder, or sorry, strikers over the line is to use them in the midfielder trades. And I suppose that kind of comes into this question. The question is, hold Bruno, or who would I trade it for? Another person asked, do I buy Bruno while he's low? And should you give Grealish and a defender for Bruno? So initially, I suppose I'll start with Grealish. If you got Grealish and a defender for Bruno, that'd be insane. Because I don't know, again, Grealish, I think it was like four weeks ago, we said, gotta get him over the line, trade him, because it's going to be as high as he is. High as he will be for the next couple of weeks. Doku comes back. Grealish rotated. You're back at square one. So if you did trade Grealish, I'd say you're probably still happy. Personally, I would be happy to get him off the line. Maybe he's a bit inflated now because of the double game week. But still, I think if you got Grealish and a defender for Bruno, that'd be unreal. But back to Bruno. Do you bribe Bruno? Depends who you give for him. Do you hold Bruno? Definitely. I would hold Bruno unless you get a very, very good trade offer for him. If we look at all the players in and around Bruno that you might trade for, that you might receive for. And there's an awful lot of players that I just take out the equation because I definitely have them over Bruno. All the top midfielders. So I've kind of I've kind of taken midfielders that you might get over the line that might be in and around his valuation currently. And I'm looking at the likes of Bernardo Silva, who at times in the season wasn't ranked very highly he's six goals and four assists and a double game week coming up i'd probably still rather bernardo over bruno even though there's probably rotation in that city side now the fact that uh, kdb is back and stuff like that we've seen bernardo get whipped early but if you aren't in the same thinking as i am a bernardo to bruno maybe you want to do that personally i would still like bernardo if we think about all the good things about Bruno and we've probably talked about this so often this year but Bruno has grey underlying stats he's on penalties and he's nearly nailed for 90 minutes the problem with Bruno is that he's a yellow card merchant and him and United are underperforming in terms of their stats so you have to look at teams that are performing City will always score goals Bernardo's an extremely important player in that system so that's why I would say I'd still rather Bernardo but when you see a trade come in over the line, your valuation changes. You know, you kind of get starry-eyed. 
you know, Bruno Fernandes, oh my god, he'd be a first-round pick, whereas Bernardo mightn't be a first-round pick. But it's kind of irrelevant. We're talking about the next, I think, 17 game weeks, did I say? 16 game weeks? I think from now until the next 16 game weeks, Bruno over the next eight would be a very good pick. But it's whether he will be better than these players over the next 17, 18 game weeks, whatever it is. And the other type of players in around that category, Sterling. Sterling has five goals and seven assists. Bruno has three and three. So if we're looking at previous stats, although Sterling, again, might have been frustrating, he's still racking up them assists, he's still racking up them goals. Kulisevsky, who has been a nail player for Spurs, five goals, two assists. Now, he's a player that you you could go out in the, the line and trade for. I would probably trade Kulisevsky for Bruno. I would want Bruno in that trade. Yes, Kulisevsky has missed a couple of games, but that's been due to Inlis. He has been one of the most nail players for Spurs, but they do have a lot of players coming back. So they have that potential for rotation. I would still rather my nail Bruno, Pens, XG over Kulisevsky, although he has slightly outperformed him so far. Odegaard, four goals, four assists. He has been playing slightly deeper this year and hasn't been up to scratch. Do you take the risk? This is what you have to ask yourself. When that trade comes in, what are you thinking? It's going to be very hard for me to say no to Bruno as a United fan. I think he has a very high upside over the next eight game weeks. So I would probably go out on a limb and trade him for Odegaard. Who else do you trade him for? Martinelli. Just coming into a bit of form. I know he got benched the last day but came on and banged two goals. Laid down his marker. These are the type of risks you're going to have to take. You might think trading Odegaard for Bruno is a bit mad, but you're going to have to go out on a limb. Someone has to think that they're in the right, and someone has to think... Sorry, both players have to think they're in the right for a trade to go through. You're going to have to put your reputation on the line, I suppose. So I'm putting my reputation. I would take Bruno over Kulisevsky, Odegaard, Martinelli. I would take him over Luis Diaz. I would take him possibly over Foden. Possibly. Just because I think he will still get rotated and he might be frustrating. For me personally, I like a bit more of a nailed player. The likes of the Jottas, they're a bit different because he is so clinical when he plays, no matter how long he plays for. But that kind of scares me. I'd rather be consistent and know that I'm getting my three points if nothing happens, possibly a two-pointer, rather than a a 16-pointer and then twos, two, two, zero, one. I'd rather my consistency. So if I'm in the mindset that Foden might drop off in terms of minutes, well, then maybe getting a trade over the line for Bruno and another player could be a good option. Players that, if you were to trade Bruno and you think that he's a high value and you don't think he's worth it, Again, Bernardo Silva. I would rather probably have a Bernardo Silva than a Bruno in terms of consistency. But a couple of lower level players. Tavernier, I'm going to talk about him in the waivers. Him plus someone else. So if you gave, let's say, a Bruno plus a decent midfielder for an Eze and a Tavernier, I think that would be a great trade. You're spreading your bets. Palace's fixtures for the rest of the season are insane. Or at least they look so on paper. I think Eze is going to be central to anything good that Palace do. Tavernier, 
we'll talk about him in the waivers another fantastic option for the rest of the season so if you're kind of trying to spread your bets from maybe a short-term punt or you know mid-term in bruno over the next eight or ten game weeks to two players that have great runs from now until the end of the season and have a possibility of returning on any given day because of set pieces that could be a good option pascal gross obviously fantastic player consistent or if you wanted to go rogue and go jota and just play him no matter what and just hope even if he plays for 10 minutes he gets a goal that's a bit more risky those are some players in and around bruno's valuation that i would trade or would trade for i know there's a lot to take in there but it might give you a bit more of a concept of where i rank them again you can kind of see what i'm looking at i'm looking at expected minutes that that's so important for me in the draft it wins and loses you the draft the problem with bruno is them yellows will break your heart break your heart but i do expect them to be explosive over the next eight to ten game weeks so i would give a decent midfielder or on the flip side i would spread my bets with two decent midfielders the likes of eze tavernier bernardo pascal gross them possibly with another player could be a better option long term that answer links in directly with the next question and it's about improving their midfield which one of these should i give away to improve my midfield and first and foremost any of those midfielders that i've mentioned the likes of eze tavernier gross bernardo anyone that i mentioned previously i would be targeting i think they're going to be good lower level midfielders that are achievable to get in a trade over the next while and they're going to be productive hopefully which of these defenders should he give away to help improve his midfield zinchenko shaw or Udogi? now the first thing i looked at is who is the highest value with the least upside and zinchenko is now back consistently starting with one of the best if i think it is statistically the best defense in the league he is inverted so kind of reduces his chance of returning slightly but i'd still think he's a good pick luke shaw united have a fantastic run of fixtures over the next eight game weeks some of them are are fixtures that they could keep a clean sheet in i'm just thinking now of onana and all that sort of stuff but i do think shaw he's expected back next week that he can be productive for the rest of the season and the reason i say to keep him is because i don't think his value is that high so if you want to improve to get neze for example well you're going to have to give an awful lot with shaw to get him whereas if you give away doggy i think his valuation in people's head is a lot higher than it should be just because he is so good at the start of the season and he's not racking up the xgi over the last 10 12 games that he was so our valuation of him might be just as high although his stats aren't backing it up he is still getting relatively far forward but we can clearly see that Paro is doing more of the damage he has scored one goal and got two assists which is good for a defender this season but them two assists came in game week three and four so he's only scored one goal since then over the last what 15 game weeks we're in game week 22 now so over the what 18 19 game weeks so i think if you're looking at the valuation of what you can get for what you're going to receive in terms of points i think doggy is probably the player to get rid of although again maybe you want to get rid of shaw because you know he's a injury risk and united aren't great at the back currently 
well, I don't think you're going to get much for him. So just to make it a small bit easier in that deal that you're trying to do, I think get rid of Udogi. Next question refers back to the Matoma issue that we were talking about and how he's going to fare out over the next while because it's about Hins Hinselwood. I hope I'm saying that right. The young player for Brighton who's been playing right back, right wing back. And the question is, nail for the next five game weeks? Kind of a, is he a no-brainer pickup? And he's a fantastic player first and foremost. He is and does be down starting as a right back. But he's down as a midfielder in fantasy. So if you're looking at maybe sofa score and you look at the teams, he's down as a right back. But he does play in that wing, wing back position and gets very far forward. He was in great, some great positions in the last game week and was unlucky not to get a return. Now, although looking at his stats, they weren't exceptional. You know, not many shots. I think he had one shot on target. Um, his positioning was good in terms of where he was picking up the ball. So he's fairly advanced. But is that good enough to justify picking him up? And when I look at all the other waiver options in the midfield, I don't think it is. I really want him to do well. And I think if he was down as a, as a defender in fantasy, he'd be an unbelievable pick this season. Because he does have the potential to do very well. And I think he's a great pick for next week against Luton. But for the next five, this is where the rotation for Brighton comes in. So Ansu Fati is closing in on a return. Now it's not going to be in the next week or two, but it could be in like four game weeks time. Mitoma, as I said, is another four or five game weeks possibly. And CISO is eyeing up a return. Again, probably two, three weeks. We'll keep up to date on that. There was no concrete evidence on Fati or Nzisu yet as a timeline, we'll say, but five game weeks time maybe three one or two of them are back and what that does is that puts his position at risk even though i think he's been fantastic and deserves his position if he is playing at a right wing back well there are players that might change that system for brighton where he might be out of the team now if he plays as a right back well now you have a midfielder playing right back and he's not going to be as effective so for the next three game weeks, they play Luton. Great pick. Then they play Palace at home. Not a bad pick. Hopefully Palace can improve defensively, as we'll talk about in the waivers. And then they play Spurs. By then, it's game week 25. Mitoma and CISO, even Fatty, could be back. So what, you're picking them up for Luton and Palace. I don't mind that, them two games. But I wouldn't be looking at him until game week 28, all the way up to game week 28. Because Brighton still have that fantastic run. Sheffield, Everton, Fulham, Forest. Because one, we don't know if he's going to be in the team. And two, he mightn't be playing as advanced as he has been previously. So I wouldn't just pick him up and totally ignore all the waivers. Happy enough for the next game week or two. But don't be afraid to get rid of him. Because there will be rotation. And our last question, which will bring us into the waivers, is do I pick up Diaz for Sheffield United? Should I replace him with Adebayo from Luton? First things first here is, he's down as a midfielder, which is his biggest asset. Adebayo we'll talk about in the waivers as well. I feel like I'm talking about everyone in the waivers this week. But Diaz as a midfielder is a great pick. And although Sheffield have been very poor this season, they were much improved against West Ham. They had more possession, they had more shots, they actually looked dangerous. Diaz himself, as I said, down as a midfielder, played 
left wing came central i'm not saying that he's totally out of position and he's playing up top but he does have that advantage of playing well further up the field now his stats did look good on paper four shots two on target one big chance missed and obviously one goal he is worth a pickup but that pickup would probably be a pick and stick they play palace um, away from home villa at home luton away brighton at home and wolves away they're not bad fixtures but again it's sheffield he could be the spark that i suppose give them a small bit more attack and threat going forward how good he will be is still unknown i wouldn't be picking him up as if like he's going to change your whole team but definitely if you have a rotation midfielder on the on your team and he's available i would be picking him up he's also going to be a tasty one because again if he does continue to play in that left wing position and sheffield do play the way they played against west ham which a lot of their joy was through the counter attack he's going to be very good for that the particular chance he had when he was offside he came in and drifted in through the middle so that's why i say pick and stick because even when they play the, the, the bigger teams if they are playing on the counter attack and that's how he actually gets most of his returns well then it's going to be hard to bench him against let's say even a villa if they play on the counter attack against villa and he comes away and gets a goal and you have him on the bench it's going to be it's going to be upsetting and the reason that's good and bad is because well you can play him against anyone but then the reason it's bad is because if you have to play him against villa and let's say you have a decent midfielder against a good team and you're saying oh jesus i have to play diaz because i know what he's like he can score against anyone and you want to play your midfielder with a good fixture it kind of puts it in turmoil so if you're down maybe a striker or two and you're often playing five midfields five midfielders i think he's a great pickup if you have a decent stacked midfield and you find it you know it's going to be hard for him to get in starting positions over the next four or five maybe give it a miss and prioritize a defender or forward if that's what's needed in your team but overall i definitely think he's going to be a good pick because he's slightly out of position and on to our waiver section of the podcast starting off with the two goalkeepers that i mentioned previously johnson and ortega i suppose second in line would be ortega because as i said i think ederson will play but they aren't afraid to play ortega city aren't or pep isn't afraid to play ortega if there is something wrong with ederson and sometimes just as a rotation they are playing burnley so again you're looking at the odds of a clean sheet pretty high only problem is that it's a one-week punt if he plays against burnley great but that's it you have to throw him away again johnson again because of because of henderson sorry henderson's poor performance um last game week johnson has a great chance of getting in and if he stays in there palace have a great run of fixtures which we'll talk about next both of the keepers are a punt so if you have a disposable keeper i think it's a good effort you know i think ortega and johnson are a good punt if you have a ramsdale or any non-playing keeper even a keeper you're fed up with very poor team not keeping saves i think johnson's worth the punt ortega if you get him you're gonna have to keep rotating but i think johnson with the possibility of him getting in long term could be a good punt but there's a high chance that 
Henderson just keeps his spot and that's it. But Johnson has played the start of the season. Therefore, I think he has a great chance. If he does well against Sheffield, this could be a little bit of a snowball effect. On to our defenders and sticking with Palace. Palace played five at the back against Arsenal, but this was more of a tactical decision to try and counteract Arsenal's build-up play. Mitchell and Klein were fairly far forward. Now, again, I wouldn't be looking at Palace playing five at the back every week, but Mitchell and Klein are essentially nailed. Ward has been out injured, therefore Klein has played the majority of the last five, six, seven game weeks. Mitchell more so. So I'd be looking towards Mitchell if you really want into the Palace defence. I presume Anderson is taken. I presume Gay is taken. If not, again, I'd love to go for them. But Mitchell more so. They play Sheffield, as I said, who were much improved. But you'd like to think Palace will be as well. They play Sheffield next week. And from now until game week 31, they have six teams that are two in the FTR. The only tough teams in the next like 10, 12 games they play are Brighton, Chelsea, Spurs, Newcastle. Brighton can be got at. And they have been poor at scoring. So if you're looking at clean sheets, that's not the worst fixture. Chelsea aren't the same Chelsea. Spurs, they could actually get some joy against. And Newcastle so far haven't been that good. They avoid all the cities, Liverpool's, Arsenal's. They've just avoided Arsenal at smash 5-0. But the majority of their games are relatively easy fixtures and have a chance at a clean sheet. So if you are stuck, if you've got some injured defenders, picking up one of those Palace defenders and keeping them for long term might be a bad option. If we're looking at that United set of fixtures, here we have them great run of fixtures as I talked about with Bruno. They play Wolves and West Ham in the next two. Wolves without He Chan, although they did look good and they probably should have scored against Brighton. And then a very poor West Ham team. Without, hopefully, without Kudos as a United fan, hopefully without Paqueta, they are looking at the likes of Bowen and Fornals and possibly even Ben Rama if he's back from suspension. So it's a weakened West Ham team. Now, the player I'm talking about is Martinez. Although he's not going to be the best aerial threat, Martinez should be back game week 22. And we know he's preferred by Eric Ten Hag because he's obviously purchased him and worked with him before. Johnny Evans was very poor against Spurs. And I think Martinez, even if he doesn't get back in next game week, for the West Ham game, he should be back. And then from game week 25 to 29, United have Luton, Fulham, Everton and Sheffield all in a row. So you could have a United defender there who hopefully will be nailed. We know we've seen a lot of rotation with the likes of uh, Wambasaka and Dallow and Varane and Evans. Hopefully will be a bit more of a settled back four by then. And you'll have a very good defender for possibly six out of the next eight game weeks. If we're looking at a, a player that we actually mentioned last week, Van Hecke. Again, if he's not picked up, I think he's a great pickup. Brighton now have kept two clean sheets in a row and they have an insane run of fixtures until game week 28. He also has a very good aerial threat and we saw that last game week where he actually nearly flicked on a ball and banged a header, I suppose. So Van Hecke, again, is probably available in a lot of the waivers. He's now one of the most nailed players for Brighton. Him, the likes of Duncan Stupanen. We can now see a bit of a, a consistent back four forming and I think that's what let Brighton down at the first half of the season. Didn't keep a clean sheet in the first half of the season. 
bit more settled two in a row i'm not saying that they're going to be the best team defensively but i think as an easy pickup that's going to be available in a lot of leagues van hecke is still a very good pick and top of our list although this team have a lot of issues botman he hopefully will be nailed for the rest of the season if you pick him up the likes of mitchell and martinez and van hecke they're all good in stints i think botman you get him in he's available on some waivers i think you keep him for the whole season they have issues as i said they are trying to work out financial fair play and you can see in the news the last couple of days you know they've offered or at least been offered to let go of bruno camara's trip here more so almiron looks like it could be on the way out again by the time game week 22 comes around a lot could have changed wilson has been offered so although this is an issue because that Newcastle team is already at its bare bones and it's whittling down. It kind of nearly ensures that the likes of the Botmans, hopefully Tripper will stay. That back four is set even more so. That might be a good thing for injuries, but I think if Newcastle hold on to them players, if only, let's say, Almiron goes and Barnes comes back and there's not much change in that team, I think for the rest of the season, if people are maybe weary about newcastle they have some very good immediate fixtures coming up and throughout the season they have a lot of them good fixtures from now to the end of the season at home where we've seen that they have been way more consistent defensively so if you're targeting them good home fixtures botman is available because obviously he was still coming back from injury maybe some people have picked him up he would be a good pickup and last but not least is a player that's coming back from injury robertson is in line to maybe make the bench game week 22 but possibly in with a start game week 23 now they play arsenal game week 23 so to pick robo up you have to be in a position where you can bench him for the next two if for some reason you're not affected by the afcon or the asian cup and you're happy to hold robo for the next two game weeks and then he comes back hopefully starts game week 23 and the run is Burnley, Brentford, Luton, Forest. Not only that, but you obviously keep him for the rest of the season on a lot of corners, on some set pieces. I think most assists in Premier League history um, from left back, as far as I know. So I think it's a no-brainer. I know I probably talked about it a couple of weeks ago, get him in, get him in. But now it's like, okay, we have nearly a set date of when he's going to be back. It's probably going to be like two weeks time until he starts. I think if you have space he's going to be the pick the last player that's kind of in the similar situation coming back from injury don't know how he's going to play is Chilwell and if you go and subscribe to the YouTube this week's YouTube will do a bit more of an in-depth on Chilwell and where we rank him in and how we would rate him over the next couple of game weeks on to our midfielders section of the waivers and if we are looking for a one-week punt Decore is back from injury played 90 minutes the last day decor is a hero he's a fpl draft duo hero they are playing fulham as far as i remember and when you need decor to bang he usually does he is one of the players that is in our draft duo team of the season so far at the end of the season we'll put together 11 players that we have enjoyed that have been very good in the draft in terms of the draft for us the team so far includes Leno in goal, Dowhees at right back, 
Uh, Jensen's in midfield, Corey's in midfield, McNeil's in there. We have some shouts from Suchek and Danjuma as like honorable, honorable mentions. But by the end of the season, we're going to have 11 of the most random players that will probably never be in another team of the season, which is what I love about the draft. The fact that we like love Decore and Dowie so much because they're draft picks. You're not going to pick them and play them every week in normal fantasy, but they could be fantastic players in the draft. So hopefully Decore can like maybe become captain this week. If Decore, there you go, if Decore bangs against Fulham, he's going to be captain of the team of the season, player of the season for the draft duo this year. If we're looking at more of a longer term, three game week punt, Willian, as we talked about on Instagram, is posting some good numbers. He's on pens and has been on pens previously in the season and they play Everton, Burnley and Bournemouth over the next three. If you look at his percentage involvement in Fulham's goals, it's probably one of the highest on the team. If you look at the games that they've scored, he's more than likely been involved somehow. He's a great three-week punt. He has missed a couple of games previously because of injury, so he might be on the waiver. Inside the box, outside the box, he... I think of his 28 shots, he's 16 inside the box, 12 outside. So, you know, he's a very dynamic player in terms of how he could score. So I would definitely be picking up William for three weeks if you have no other options. If you do have other options, Garnacho might be one of them. As I said, United's fixtures, the next eight, six of them on, on the FDR are rated two. He has played 90 minutes the last three game weeks and has been one of the catalysts for United improving in their play i suppose i wouldn't say improving and doing better but improving in terms of their attack and play hopefully he has displaced anthony as the right winger for united the only issue with garnacho although it seems like a no-brainer is that the likes of casemiro and mount a lot of these players are coming back from injury and hopefully that won't change the shape of the team too much casemiro might come in for Mano and stuff like that but in two or three game weeks time hopefully Garnacho's minutes aren't reduced and I, I kind of predict they will be you know when Anthony and Mount are there in that position or in contention for an attacking spot that might reduce him by 20 minutes a game if he continues to play the way he is which is fairly good I think he deserves to play but big money signing from Mount out most of the season I think he's going to pick up some minutes so although Garnacho seems like an unbelievable pick if he's on the waivers there is a risk that his minutes are reduced. Someone who I'd be picking up for the rest of the season, I talked about earlier, is Tavernier. Unbelievable set-piece taker. Bournemouth have an insane run of fixtures from now until game week 32. They play West Ham, Forest and Fulham in the next three. Newcastle and Man City as, okay, bench options or whatever. You can still play Tavernier because, as I said, many routes to points. But from 27 to 32, they have unbelievable fixtures. All two in the FDR and genuine twos. I know sometimes the twos can be deceiving, but Bournemouth have been very, very much improved over the last seven game weeks. Solanke, they have a very good aerial threat, which, you know, is perfect for Tavernier. You know, Zabarni and Solanke, all these boys are going to be fantastic options. Now... I suppose, now that I think of it, if you just want a Bournemouth player for that run of fixtures and the likes of Solanke and Tavernier are gone, Christie is a very good pick. He was one of the better players for Bournemouth 
against Liverpool and had a couple of good chances. So I would be looking at him as a low-level midfield option. Maybe, you know, if none of these are available, Christie is still a very good option. But in that order, I would have Decore, William, Garnacho, Tavernier. And on to our striker suggestions. And when I looked at this, I was like, ah, there's not many. But if you look deep enough, there's a few. As I said, Werner is still available in a good percentage of leagues. He will share his minutes when the likes of San come back and Kulisesti comes back from injury or illness, sorry. But the way Spurs play, maybe he only needs 20-30 minutes. Maybe he does play the majority of games. But he will be a better pickup than the majority of players I'm going to talk about. And probably will be an improvement on your striker options. Ings is a one-week punt. He played very well the last game week. And he kind of played his way into a starting position against Bournemouth. I think that could be it. You know, I'm not saying that he's going to be there for the next three or four game weeks. Because, as I said, kudos could come back. Paqueta could come back from that calf injury. But I think next game week, unless things drastically change, Ings versus Bournemouth, I think he gets the start. And he, he he played very well last game week. Held up the ball very well. Won the penalty. So I think for one week punt, Danny Ings might be the man. And if you're looking for lower level strikers, Adebayo might be a more consistent pick. If it's between Adebayo and Ings, if you're looking long term, Adebayo might be better. He's five goals this season, started the last six games in a row. I know he plays for Luton, but he's a starting striker. After game week 22, if you have Ings, you're going to be looking for someone else anyways. So maybe if you want a striker, you need a striker that you can start consistently. Unfortunately, it might be Adebayo. If you have a starting striker and you want a one-week punt, Ings is the man. And then two lower-level players. McBurney obviously banged that penalty for Sheffield. Hopefully, with Diaz, they might be a bit more of an exciting team. Every time I look at the waivers, go into transactions, I get to Sheffield and I just skip them because they have no options. But now they do. He does play sporadically and a lot of the time it's tactical. You know, it depends on how the game is going and who they're playing. But... Yeah, he's on pens. If you really need a striker, he's on pens. These are the strikers I'm talking about. The Adebayo, McBurney, and last on the list, Ogbene, are the strikers I talked about earlier who are very hard to start. That if you have decent midfielders and all that, unless you need them to start, it's going to be hard for you to pick them over someone else unless it's a really good fixture. Maybe it's better to go for a defender or midfielder that you know will probably get in your starting eleven more often than these dudes. Ogbene is that last player. And he has been playing very well for Luton, played very well against Burnley last game week and has probably a good chance to start in the next couple of games. He does play at wing-back though. So probably down the bottom of the list because furthest away from goal and he's playing for Luton. We are always rooting for Ogbene here in the draft duo, but yeah, I don't think he's the most exciting pick. I probably I might put him against uh, or above McBurney just because he plays more consistently. But the fact that McBurney's on penalties is a bit more attractive. Again, you're probably never going to start these two players. At a bio, there's a good chance. Ings next week, great chance. And Werner, pick and stick. He might disappoint you with a one-pointer some days, but might be one of your best striker options, unfortunately. That is it for this week. As always, thank you so much for every bit of support in any way, shape, or form. If you're not already following the podcast, Instagram, Twitter, or subscribed, hit that button. Thank you, and Draft Duo out.